You're listening to The Strut with Chili, TD, and Info Joe. Strut listeners, Strut fans, Strut Nation, Teal Nation, whatever it is that TD is calling us this week, that's who we are. So welcome to another episode. This is episode two, season two of The Strut. So coming up tonight, we got a little bit of an intro, got a brand new sponsor we're going to talk about at the top of the show. I'll do that read. Um, we're going to look at uh, some of the shots in the NFL in that very brief discussion, kind of give an overview because we're going to set that up for next week when we dive deeper into our shots in NFL training camps. Uh, we got a, quite a few that are there, and we figured since we would have the uh, NFL preseason kicking off this weekend, which today you'll be listening to this. If you drop here, it's dropped. It'll be the Friday, the 12th drop, so those games kick off Saturday, so those will be uh, kind of mentioned here, but more in depth next time. But we do dive deep into what the Sun Belt predicted order of finish is according to the media. We talk about the East Division, the West Division, some possibilities of some potential upsets. Uh, we talk about some of the people we think could pull off a better record than predicted. And I want you to go ahead and mark down what TD said about uh, Louisiana Monroe, Louisiana Lafayette. In South Alabama. We're also going to dig into uh, more of the tease of our 20th anniversary walk through CCU football, and we're going to wrap it up with our poll results from this past week, and TD tries to stump me on trivia, see how he does, and then I want you to see if you can do as well as he did on the trivia question I had for him. Uh, all that more banter that you can that you can hear us go through uh, usual frivolity that you've come to expect from your friends here at the strut enjoy We're welcoming a new sponsor tonight. It's Panther, a new cologne. Gentlemen, are you finding yourself striking out with the ladies and seeing your game not quite up to speed? Try Panther, the new cologne from Georgia State. Yes, it's a cologne that's designed to reflect the school itself. Georgia State's admission acceptance is 100%. And when you put on Panther, your admission at the lovely ladies would be 100% as well. That's not all. Panther, like Georgia State, is expensive. When she smells Panther on you, she's going to know you spent some money. You're a baller. You're spending money and putting your best foot forward, even though you may be the third best guy in the club or bar that night. That's right. Panther from Georgia State, because third place is still 
the second runner-up. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in to another edition of the Strut Podcast. Chili, great job. We're making friends and enemies everywhere across the Sun Belt. So, um, hey, excited about the uh, second episode of, of season two here. Again, going to cover a few things uh, from the full spectrum of coastal football and and all things and all areas that we touch up. So, gentlemen, excited to get this uh, this next episode started. So, um, first and foremost, how's everybody week? How's everybody's week since uh, last time we recorded? It's been a good week. Been a great week since they started camp last week. We'll have a a camp update a little bit later on, but uh, I've had a good one. I can't wait. We are getting closer and closer to September 3rd in the Army game. And uh, again, before that game kicks off, August 31st, we'll start on our first Coach Chadwell radio show from 7 to 8 o'clock. That's on a Wednesday night. We'll be at uh, uh, Walk-Ons. There you go. Walk-Ons, a KJ. I'm only hosting the show, and I should know where that is. <laughs> Walk-Ons, by the way, that – we're good. We remember you, baby. Walk-ons, a Cajun bistro. I guarantee. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, and uh, we'll get this thing kicked off soon, you know? Kick off right around the corner. A couple of scrimmages coming up, too. Chili, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. how about Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Good week. Well, I'm, you know, I, I feel like every time I look at a calendar for, like, I'm starting school on Monday with students coming back, and I keep looking at the calendar and filling up meetings and appointments, but I also kind of keep scrolling down to the bottom and subconsciously counting the days until the Army game. So, I'll like, oh, I've got a meeting on the 18th. That's how many days till the football game. So, I'm, I'm doing that now. So, it's, it's we're in countdown mode here. I know Coastal football team is in countdown mode since they first started camp a few days ago. So, I'm at the point now, guys, I think I'm now figuring we have like three more shows until we have a game. That's how I'm counting it right now. That's your point of reference. Roughly. Nice. Nice. Outstanding. Well, hey, we've got a a pretty uh, packed show today. We've got some other things that we're going to tease throughout the show with regards to 20 years and and whatnot. But let's get right into it. I think, uh, think, Chili, you're going to lead us off with a little bit of uh, statistics and and also, too, a touch on, I find it interesting that uh, the top 25 preseason polls have already started to, to hit the wire. And um, I said it uh, a week ago, I think the Sun Belt, but even Coastal, I think there's going to be some teams that are sneaky good this year that, uh, in my humble opinion, I think this shows humble opinion, will end up in the top 25 at some point uh, before conference play starts. But Chile? Go ahead, man. Go ahead and hit us with what you got from a data perspective. So we're going to look to start off with at the, <clears throat> excuse me, the Sun Belt predicted order of finish according to a couple of different media outlets. So I kind of went and compiled and then kind of put together where people think we're going to go division by division. And I'll go with the East since that's one of the most interest to us as far as who's going to finish where. And most everybody is saying that App State will be one, Coastal will be two. But then when you get to three, there's becoming some more and more becoming more and more debate between Georgia State and Marshall. I've seen uh, Georgia State three. I've seen Marshall three and the other one fourth. So that's kind of going back and forth amongst the uh, so-called experts. And then I've also seen where Old Dominion, who in one poll was fifth, James Madison sixth. I've seen that flip flopped as well. But Georgia Southern pretty much in every poll, except for one is in last in that division. So to recap 
what the East prediction is one more time. We had App State 1, CCU 2, Georgia State 3, or Marshall 3, and then Georgia State 4, Marshall 4, depending on, you know, like I said, it's almost split. ODU, James Madison, and Georgia Southern. That's our East Division predictions according to what the averages are saying right now. What do we well, think, guys? We talked about this on the last show, too, and you talked about the uh, the coaches poll from Sunbelt Media Day. Of course, App State was number one there. Uh, Coastal two, Georgia State three, Marshall four, uh, Georgia Southern fifth. James Madison, Old, uh, Old Dominion six and seven. I, I thought that that was and, – and you just kind of – you know, got gave a, a recap of of where you know the the various polls have these teams. I you know I find it interesting. Georgia Southern is not maybe a little bit lower than what they are because they are completely starting over. You know, with a bunch of bunch of transfer kids in a new offense. They're going they're going to run and you know they they still like the coaches ranked them ahead of teams like James Madison and ODU and. You know, I I think ODU is is a little bit underrated. I, I really do. Uh, App State is no surprise to me that people have them picked first with all the starters they have back. Quarterback is back. All you know, four and five offensive linemen back, running backs. Now, great tandem and really kind of a trio there in Boone and, and running backs. And so it doesn't really surprise me. I, I think where you know the, the battle is going to be is two, three, and four, like you just kind of mentioned there, Chili. I mean, two, three, and four. Who who will battle it out for those those three spots among Coastal, Marshall, and uh, Georgia State? So uh, I you know mix them up and, and throw them out on the table. Let let let's see what happens. I, I think this time of year is perfect for this kind of discussion. The, where are the team's going to finish? Who has who? First, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, whatever. The East, you know, we've talked about this before. Should be a lot of fun to watch. I was reading Joe in in <clears throat> on one article. I think it was Athlon that said, you know, Georgia Southern. They had them seventh, for example, and Georgia Southern brings back twelve returning starters, which is interesting. But then you got Clay Helton come in, and everybody's heard about Clay Helton coming to Georgia Southern. I mean, they hijacked one of our broadcasts on ESPN Plus with the Clay Helton show for the first half of it. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, we know that's happening, all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, is the cupboard that bare at Georgia Southern, even with 12 guys coming back, that they're going to be last in the Eastern Division? Or is the Eastern Division just that strong that someone who's got that much coming back is not going to be as competitive? That's that's kind of where my mind is on Georgia Southern right now. I think they have a lot of starters back, yes, but again, they're they're going to do some things differently offensively that I don't know they're going to get done in one year. You know, and they do have the Buffalo quarterback Kyle Van Trees transfer from Buffalo to Georgia Southern, and we saw him last year, and he's an outstanding quarterback. He can th- he can throw the football out very well. Big strong kid too, but it's just it, you know how how do they go from you know uh, they weren't a total. 100% triple option team. They had, they obviously have passing concepts and what they do, but they, they, a lot of personnel that they recruited to, you know, with what they previously did are not there anymore. They still have talent. Don't get me wrong. There's still a lot of talent on offense and certainly there is on defense, the defensive side of the ball there. But again, I mean, first year, you know, new system, a lot of new stuff. They're going to try to Laid the groundwork for will be really interesting to see kind of where they are. Who knows? I mean, they you know anything can happen in one year in college football. Anything, you know, team get that team gets hot, they get confident, you know, they start feeling good about themselves, and you know who knows what's liable to happen. Now that is that truly is a mystery team, I think, to me going into the season. 
I can see TD stewing right now. You're thinking about something, man. You got the thinking cap on. You got your hand on your chin. What you got going on, TD? I think go one of two ways, and not the two ways you think. I think in this day and time of the transfer transfer portal, we have to remember that things can change very quickly, right? The volatility in the game do the transfer portal. So through the portal. You go get a a, a Van Trees, right? He's not coming in with the ghosts and memories of Georgia Southern past, right? He's not coming in with last year's debacle as a season. He's not coming in here worrying about how do I transition from a you know triple option RPO where we didn't really throw the ball very well downfield to okay, well I'm stepping to an offense that I can just step right into based on what Clay Helton's talking about wanting to do. Again, you add. They've got some running backs and some linemen and some and some receivers, if I remember correctly, that they got from the transport portal. That again, they they don't they don't have those ghosts if build in their head from having to recalibrate from the offense of Christmas past or Georgia Southern past to the offense of Georgia Southern future. Um, I think they're rated low for the reason that I think you or Joe touched on. I think they're rated low in the East because I think people we'll find out 15, 16 weeks from now when we're having this show again, and hopefully our shots are on top, as much as I like to believe we can beat everybody because we can. There's nobody on our schedule that we can't beat. We can beat 12-0, and 0, right? I, I'm, I'm saying it now. I'm saying it humbly. For anybody that listens to this that's our fan, that's an opposing team's fan, as we get down the road with this, I'm saying it humbly. We can beat 12-0. and 0. At the same time, so could App. Well, if they beat, if they beat Texas A&M, that, that would be – Fantastic for them, fantastic for us because we play them four or five weeks later, right? I want the I want the Sun Belt to go completely undefeated in non-conference, so not to get off the rails here. Point being is, I think they're rated low in the East because I think the East is just going to be so damn competitive and deep in talent that you could have a coastal be undefeated in com- in non-conference play and have two conference losses and win that conference, right? And everybody's going to be within a game or two. The only team I think that's going to struggle, you know, maybe Georgia, I mean, not Georgia, maybe JMU down the stretch. But I think they're rated low, guys. I think just because the East is going to be, we're going to look back. Here's my, here's what I'm going to offer you. Here's my prediction. First prediction of the year for me. We're going to look back 15 weeks from now and go, you could take the middle three of the East, put them in the West, and no way that whoever's at the top of the West, has one loss or two loss. You know what I'm saying? Like you're gonna be able to say you could take the third, fourth, fifth best team in the East, put them in the West, and most likely there's a good chance that they would probably win the West or be number two at worst. I could be wrong. I don't think I'm going to be though. I think the the the, the real challenges are on the East. That's not I a whole. I think that's fair. Yeah, and, and and let me go back and revive something too. I mean, I was talking about one, two, three, and four. The two, three, and four. One, two, three, and four can, can that could be that could be any order of finish. Yeah. Honestly, any of the any of the top four teams that could be us, that could be, you know, App, Georgia State, whoever, you know, Marshall. I, I think among those four, that that's how it's going to finish one, two, three, and four. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get any anybody the impression that this is already App State's, you know, league to win and it's already there. It's not. There's they're going to be some. Well, they think it is. Them. They, I know they think <laughs> they do, but I just, you know, I I, I don't want to leave anybody the impression that, that uh, you know, I'm thinking that App's got they they don't. 
because they got to come to us and they've got to go to a couple of other places too. So one, two, three, and four. But then then you you know you look at Georgia Southern schedule since we're talking about them. They they get into the month of October. They come to us. Then they go to Georgia State, James Madison at home, and then they go to Old Dominion. That 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 that's going to be a real key stretch for them. Can they survive those games? You know, to where they can have a good finish and a good you know start to the Clay Helton era. And I was reading something too about just in relationship to team schedules. I just caught this, and I don't know how I just saw it, but Marshall has App State, us, and Georgia State all at home this year, and Louisiana, and Louisiana. Yeah, so I mean, they they, they, they have a season ticket holders paradise yes. in terms of a schedule. You talk about those four teams that roll into town, man. If, I'm a Marshall fan. You bet I'm investing in some season tickets to watch those horses come. Yeah, but there's a flip side of that, though. <laughs> you might get beat. Three. Wow. They got to go to all four of those. That may not be their best. I mean, that. to Joe's point, it'd be awesome to be at home like that. But, again, hey, that, that it panned out well for us, too. I mean, uh, sure. you know, look, you look at our home stretch. I used to say the 20, you know, the even years were the better years. But now that these four teams have come in and ultimately – when you do get a Virginia coming here and an Army coming here and eventually a Liberty coming here, then, you know, that's – you're going to have – again, it goes back to scheduling has gotten better. Our boys on the field have put a product that we got to be completely excited about and, and very happy about. Our jobs get our cheeks to the seats. But to Joe's point, there, there again, JMU, Georgia Southern, how can they finish – Interesting that we're not talking about that with us, Marshall, State. We're not talking about that, right? I, I We haven't really talked about ODU, and I think they will. I think ODU is going to press them here. I'm telling you, it wouldn't shock me if the East absolutely just dominates the West this year. And, again, you're, you're going to have a lot of teams. It's going to be a tight race, which is great, because that means you're constantly looking at the standings each week, which is a good thing. Because when you get a bunch of thoroughbreds running hard, that means they run harder. And that that's always a good thing. Can ODU survive their first three weeks, though? I'll tell you what. Oh, man. Virginia Tech at home at East Carolina, which they could get that one. East Carolina's that's- not very good. But then they go to Virginia their third week. And then, you know, <laughs> yeah, they have Liberty come to town in week five. So, I mean, they, they, they've, got, they've got quite the opening stretch to see if they can get their sea legs under them, so to speak. I, it, you know what? The good thing, you know, what I hear too is, is for folks, you know, looking at that November 19th, they already for Virginia. Maybe they're not. People that listen to the show, they haven't even probably looked that, you know, that far down the road. But the good thing is for us is the unfamiliarity of some of these teams. They're going to play similar opponents before we play them. For instance, ODU is going to play Virginia before we play them, right? So now we'll have both of them on film. We'll see. I was going to say film on both. So, so you know, so chilly. So something about camp you asked about, something a little inside kind of between the helmet in the film room is how many how many similar opponents, right, that can you put on film together and then similar opponents that play your style of offense, right? Even though that we're a unique offense, there are more people picking up our – themes and schemes, if you will, to our from our offense and implementing it in theirs because it works, right? It puts the defense in a challenging situation. Point is, having ODU Virginia play each other helps us tremendously. But if you notice, 
our schedule does help us. Even though we're having to go to some of these new schools, we don't play them till later in the year. So our comparable opponents have to play them three, four, five weeks in advance before we ever play a team that we're unfamiliar with in conference. When do we play our first when we when do we play our first uh new Sunbelt member? Is it not is it not ODU at home? And then I we am, yes, October, right October 15th, Old Dominion. Right. So that's about what five weeks in, six five weeks in? Yeah. That, that will be that will be game seven. Seven. Wow, seven weeks in. So they're already going to have played a conference game or two against some other conference opponents that we're most likely going to play. And it helps us, you know, that that's the that's that's how Chile kind of how inside the locker room, inside the field room, you're looking at us. How do you dissect the team easily? Not easy, but it's better when they've played an opponent that you had what the last five years on, right? Like an App State or a Georgia State or a Georgia Southern. Also, too, case in point, Georgia Southern. There's four, five, six games before we play them. You have to think of them as a new opponent that we've never played before because their entire coaching staff's changed. Hmm. So people are forgetting about that moment, too, is they're no different than ODU, JMU, Marshall, or Southern Miss right now. They, I mean, they're completely brand new to, to anything we've done. We'll, we'll know what Van Trees can do, and we'll know what some of their personnel can do. Now, in terms of schematics, you know, I, I imagine we'll watch Clay Helton and we'll watch that their offensive coordinator and those guys where they came from and, and, and get a study on that. We, we, we know a little bit, not much, but it'll be interesting. It will be very interesting when we go play them. Or they come to us, rather. Let's check out the West. Yeah, let's check out the West. So um, the consensus is Louisiana is in first. Um, let's go to second. Was most most votes for second were South Alabama. Then we're looking at Troy, Southern Miss, Texas State, Arkansas State, and Monroe. Can I can I jump in very early on this? Yeah. On, on well, technically, there's one A and one B, and then two. And I'll start with two first. The second is, uh, sounds weird, but I think ULM is going to be better than people think. I think they're much improved. I think they become bowl eligible this year, but at like six and six. They're going to they're struggle, but I think six and six is the potential. Second, I don't think Louisiana wins the West. You know who I Are think? going USA on that? I'm not, I'm not shocked by that, honestly. Now, I mean, they lost a lot. Alabama rises to the top of that, followed by Southern Miss somewhere between three and four. Troy, two and three. Louisiana, two and three. What I saw in Southern South Alabama last year with that coaching staff, we touched on this podcast. We touched on they remind us a little bit of us with how they're getting creative with offense and defense. They got a brand-new stadium. They got a very energetic, young staff down there. I'm telling you, it ain't – it ain't a damn shoe in for Louisiana over there. I think they're going to get really pushed by Troy and South Alabama, but especially South Alabama. So, TD, to add to what you were just saying, I just noticed this on uh, – I collected some quotes from different places too getting ready for this, and I, I got this one. It says that South Alabama won't have to play any of the top four predicted teams in the Eastern Division this year. That, that's massive. That is massive. And if you look, you look at Louisiana last year. They didn't run roughshod over people at all to to win thirteen games last season. They got by at a number of times when they it looked like they were they were going to get beat. And that's with Levi Lewis. You know, that's with Billy Napier and that staff. That's with you know, all those running backs and 
all the personnel that they had, they're not there anymore. Again, that, that's my point. So there's a team, there's a, there's a program in transition. I understand they've, they've, they've elevated some people internally. They also lost people internally. And then they gained some people that bring some new insight, new experiences, some new tendencies. That's what Joe was speaking of earlier with regards to Georgia Southern. We can look back to Van Trees and other coaching parts uh, and new members, but South Alabama's core outside of the kid that was a South Carolina, who was a quarterback, Jake Bentley. Yeah. Jake Bentley. He's not back. And the kid mm-hmm. that had behind him though, running, getting some reps, there wasn't anything wrong with him other than he was young. And you had Jake Bentley, who was a, you know, a 17 year transfer. And, you know, he had, you know, he's played 14 years of division one football feels like. And same age as Joe. I mean, he's, you know, Joe and he were on the same team there, and and uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how the hell he got all this eligibility. All jokes aside, though, I really do. I, I liked Joe. You touched on this after calling that game. I, I think South Alabama's capacity to improve, or bandwidth as a better way of saying it, to improve, I think is much higher, and I think they will again. Not playing four teams in the top four teams right now in the East. <laughs> I'm done with this assessment, but it sets up well for them. I think their home games too. I think they have Louisiana at home, and I think they they got to yeah they do. South I, I, Alabama goes to Louisiana this year. Who does? South Alabama goes to Louisiana. Who are their, Lafayette? Who are their Who are their home games? Um, I will look it up. I just saw that on a blurb I had. I was pulling some stuff out just <clears throat> to get ready for this. I didn't, I'll pull this. Well, while while he's doing while, while he's doing that, I want to jump in real fast on the six and six ULM prediction. So, TD, if they go six and six, they're they're gonna <laughs> they they play okay. They they play at Texas at Alabama. Awesome. They have they have us. They go to South Alabama. They go to Army. They go to Georgia State and to Troy. Awesome. <laughs> If they, if they go six and six, <laughs> Terry Bowden will hands down be the coach of the year, not only of the Sun Belt, but maybe college football. But not saying they can't do it, but that that they've got some teams that they're gonna have to they're gonna have to knock off some teams. I don't think that many many people are going to expect them to beat. But who knows? I mean, they got a kid named Boogie Knight. I think that's the best name in the whole conference. So who 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 yeah, you, know, you gotta like a team with a kid named Boogie Knight. Well, here's the thing with that, and I chill out. I'm going to add this real quick. Texas Army, us, Georgia State. Look, I'm going to be honest. Those are probably losses. Alabama. Alabama, that's a loss. However. No, you got to be more positive than that, man. Come on. They, look, here's my thing. Well, my point, they, they can beat Louisiana. They can beat Troy. They could. They could beat Louisiana, yeah. Louisiana, they could beat Troy. Maybe they somehow figure one out against South Alabama. They can beat Southern Miss, right? And then they can beat Texas State. They can beat Texas State, right? Arch, so Ark State. They can beat Ark State. Five you and know. seven. Like, again, like five and four and eight, five, five and seven. You know that. But they can sneak one game, right? Like they can okay. steal something. Maybe they still. Maybe go find go find a game in which their upcoming opponent plays someone of significance, non-conference or in-conference, and then they catch them. They did this to Liberty two years ago, and then they did it to they did it to somebody else in conference last year. They beat somebody last year and the year before that. They were they were like three, four touchdown underdog. Well, they beat Troy last year. 
Troy. Yeah. But Troy had just come they, off. They beat Liberty last year. That's when they beat right. Liberty. Right. So now we're, we're recording this episode on August 9th. I'm writing it down. The TD said that they're going to be six and six. Joe, I quoted you as four and eight, five and seven. I'll, I'll go five and seven. I, I, okay. I think five and seven. I, I just don't know they get that sixth win. I mean, well, who, just knows, be a, who knows? Be a jerk. I'm going to say three and nine. Oh, man. Ugh. When we go to Monroe, they're not going to feed you. I'm not planning on going to Monroe, Louisiana, anytime soon. Unless <laughs> I'm going to Duck Dynasty. Come on, man. It's the best trip in the whole Sunbelt Conference. I can, Is it I, really? I got to add It's one not bad. They, they have there's a really nice eating place right on the river, right right outside of campus. It's really nice. We'll probably go eat there. It's a good place. I can't remember all the top of my head, but it's good. Joe, that, that has got to be one of the most unique college settings I've ever seen on TV where they got like the – the three foot wall in the one end zone where you can back up all the tents and the truck still. It's like division one college football meets like East Texas high school football. And it's just like, I mean, I, it's, it, it look, is. It, I mean, it, I mean, and I'm not, by the way, if you're a Monroe fan, listen to this, I'm not, it is, it is a very intimate setting is a, is a good way of saying it. Like it, it's there. You're on top of it. <laughs> And, and and the press box is so high in the sky that you have to have a flight plan up there, literally. I mean, you, you can see over to the airport there in Monroe. I mean, you watch planes fly in and out. We're that close. And it, it didn't, it didn't uh, it, you know, it's not uncommon to see a 737 come by the press box, you know, upon approach. It's how high we are. It's a good vantage point, though. It's a good place. <laughs> I've got Louisiana's schedule if y'all are still wanting to talk about that. Who are we looking for on that? Monroe, look for a game real quick where mm-hmm. – they're going to catch somebody, Will, after a big game. We may not be able to do it tonight, but that's my point. Like, Liberty came off of a game last year, and I think Troy did too. It's not a knock on Monroe, but that's what it's going to take to Joe's point. I, again, I think they can go five and seven. I'm not saying – I actually believe they can go five and seven with a loss to our beloved Shauna Clears. I, but I think they're, they're going to catch somebody. I don't know who that somebody is. They're going to catch somebody after – like that. Maybe a short week, right, where – they played on Saturday. They have a Thursday game. Chili may be able to know that. but Well, I've got um, in front of me here, I don't know how big this game would be. And, T.D., it plays into what you're saying. Um, they go to Rice September 17th, and they're going to Monroe the very next week on the 24th. Who's that? That leads up to South Alabama at home for homecoming October 1st. So, I mean, is that what you're kind of thinking maybe? Like South Alabama goes to Rice, and then they go. No, I was talking about Louisiana. You wanted South Alabama, right? I'm just saying. Oh, yeah, South Alabama, dude. Okay, I, I no problem. I mean, I'm, I'm putting it down now. I fully believe South Alabama can win the West. I mean, honestly, to I, I really do. I really, I really think in any year, you could have a Coastal South Alabama Sun Belt title game. That'd be a fun ball game. That would be a very just like the one last year. It'd be really fun. Yeah. So South Alabama, um, their third game of the year, they go to UCLA and play a one o'clock kickoff there. Uh, they've got Louisiana Tech after that back home, and then they go to Louisiana, and then the, that's the rest of the West schedule, except for Georgia Southern, the way it plays out. So I don't know if there's a trap game in there. They open with Nichols, and then they are going to Central Michigan before they play UCLA. Huh. Yeah, well, I don't want to get bogged down in it, but we can talk about it later. I just 
I just again with regards to Monroe, I think I agree with Joe. I definitely think five and seven. Five and seven is doable. But this may be you or that. Put this way, if they can sneak out to be six and six, it would be it, that means they will have beaten somebody. And hopefully, in all fairness, I hope it's one of their non-conference games. Obviously, not Alabama or Texas. Hopefully, they've beaten Liberty. But I mean, there's a game right there. Who's to say they Indeed. can't? Five, who's to say they can't win five games in conference? Figure that out. But again, Troy, South Al, Louisiana, Texas State, Southern Miss, Georgia Southern. I mean, there's six games right there they can win, not include Liberty. So again, six and six. It's conceivable. TD is on the Monroe bandwagon, Joe. <laughs> mayor, mayor of Monroe, Louisiana, Travis Danley. There he is. Look, you got <laughs> boys. You got to prop up some teams. So, um, <clears throat> so transitioning from that topic, we're, we were kind of teasing this one to look at in the coming weeks, and we're looking at shots who are in training camps in the NFL. Um, I've got, I'm going to read this list. And if you guys think of anybody else, please you know jump in and say, so we got Silas Kelly, Jeff Gunner, Javion Hiley, Jackson still with the Eagles in his second year, uh, Samari Jones and Isaiah likely. Did we miss anybody else from that list? Or is that our guys who are in camp? I know Gallagher is back with coastal. He's coaching now for the Shawnee clears, which I think is incredible. Um, that's who I have as far as a list that we've compiled leading up to tonight. So if you guys can think of anybody else, feel free to throw them out there. But we're kind of teasing it. And, Tita, you can take this one and run it a little bit if you'd like to about, you know, those guys going into camp now. Um, the preseason games, as we're recording this, this is a Tuesday the 9th. We're set to have NFL preseason games beginning this weekend, like Friday and Saturday in, in earnest. So that's, what, that's who we're kind of tracking when it comes to our shots in the NFL this year. So we've got one second-year guy. And it appears five guys who were in there for the first time. Does that sound pretty close, y'all? Yeah. Again, I again, I nothing really to add more than we'll, we'll track it for all the strut podcasts uh, listeners and, and Teal Nation, which is pretty easy. You know, you know, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook. You know, the follow everything to do with the program. They do a great job. I I I just find it awesome that in the last two years we've put six or seven guys in the league that are in camp. And for those that don't understand the NFL, you know, the next two weeks are vitally crucial to these kids, man. It really is. If you can make the 55 now, 55 man roster plus the, I think it's expanded either 12 or 15, you know, paid practice roster guys, it gets them up to 70. Now I think that's what it is. It's total 70. Um, that's massive, man. That's massive for the program that again, we set it off air before coming on was it's, it's not a validation. It's just a, an additional validation to the talent level that we had on the field the last two years and the talent level that'll come out this year with others um, with an opportunity to make camp hopefully. Uh, and I've seen stuff on Twitter about how the Ravens are raving about Isaiah likely right now. I don't know if you guys keep up with that or not on social media, but I feel like every other day there's a, video of him making some kind of catch or somebody talking about him in a press conference at this point. I think he's might be our best bet to see a lot of playing time maybe this coming season as well. well I don't think there's any doubt he's going to see the field, get a lot of playing time. I mean, he's got great hands, you know, run, run great routes. He can block, very talented, very athletic, and a lot of good things that he can bring to that table for the Ravens. I, I think there's, you know, the sky's the limit for him. I can't wait to watch him. Yeah, I think Gunter's going to get a little more run as well. Um, 
And then, you know, Gunter, they, they said Gunter has blossomed in the last five to six days at camp from what I saw about the Bengals. Um, you know, they, I hadn't seen too much chatter about the other guys, but, but Gunter's another one that Teron Jackson's, he, he, you know, he's, he's, he's carved out his niche with the Eagles and, but, but Jeffrey Gunter, um, he's, I mean, I think the inner squad they did the other day with one of the other NFL teams, I think it was yesterday or something like that. They, he had a, a sack, a tackle, another tackle for loss. And then he, I don't know, they pressures. They, they do pressures now too. They count pressures. He had a pressure. So, I mean, it, that, that's, um, now again, look here, for those who don't know, the more film they get on you, you, you become <laughs> more analyzed, the more film you get on her. Then they, they start getting a little data on you. That's you know, a little film on you that, that helps out. But nevertheless, again, it's just a testament to the program the last three years. Do we mention Cam Brown is still on the Buccaneer roster? Is he still? Okay, so he's yeah. still Buccaneers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I feel like I was missing somebody. To, That's who it is. Yeah, add him Thank to the you. list, too. Yeah. So Cam Brown. And, uh, again, there's another one to track. So, again, Sean's in the league, man. We just got to keep tracking them. Again, just another, another reason why fans need to get their cheeks in the seats. Mm-hmm. So moving in from that, we want to talk about just for a minute um, – I'm kind of teasing this, and you guys can jump in as always. I mean, we all jump in on each other anyway, so it doesn't matter, right? But what I was going to say was we're looking at the 20th anniversary, 20th season, sorry, of Coastal Football, and we had an opportunity, the three of us, and I'm not going to say what we did, but just a couple days ago, we had a chance to um, have a good little reflection session with someone who's going to be our first presentation of what TD, I love this title you gave it to. I don't know if you were being intentional or not, but a walk through CCU football. I think that's a really good title. I didn't take it at when you said it on the text message, but that's what we're going to be calling it is a walk through CCU football. Episode one is set to drop close to game one this season. I think I targeted August 31st for the first episode. And I asked the guys if I could kick this discussion off because I spent the better part of my evening last night from about 8.30 to close to midnight just going through and listening to what we had a chance or who we had a chance to talk to and some of the stories that were there. And, guys, I'll say this. You went through it with me, and I've heard it at least seven or eight times now, editing and, and listening and kind of piecing some things together to make it a really good presentation, and I hope it's a good presentation because they deserve this. But – I feel like this is going to be something that people will want to go back and hear more than once. Um, when you hear the stories, all three of us have been there since day one. It's a new perspective on things that we were witnessing in real time when we were there. But when you hear stuff that's straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak, it gives um, a little more special uh, perspective, which that's why I'm so excited about what we're going to be bringing into them set for august 31st um and looking back over some of the little subtitles that i made for that 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 uh, episode and if i were to say them i'd give it away and you guys know what i'm talking about but i just kind of fell in love hearing the stories that the fans are going to get to hear here in a couple of weeks and it's kind of hard to expand without giving away so i'm trying to to be careful what i'm saying here but for anybody who's a coastal football fan, if you just appreciate where we are right now, listen to this show that we're talking about. If you're somebody 
who has been around since day one listen to the show if you you know caught on a couple of years ago or 10 years ago whatever if you've had a stake in coastal football at some point this is going to be the one you want to hear um it's just a, a fun you know storytelling time td i went and pieced in some of the uh clips that you said you liked in between segments for it so you're not just getting us interviewing someone you're getting all kinds of media that happened around the event and this person that we're talking about. So guys, you're welcome to jump into, I'm trying my best not to give it away. I really <laughs> am, but it, it just, just the, the able, the ability to, to edit yourself while you're talking is not something I'm very good at. So I just, I wanted to go ahead and tease that out. Well, along those 20 year, 20 the season lines, I'm, I dropped a, a blog post a few days ago about the Furman series back when we were, an FCS school, a series that started in 2006 and went all the way through 2016. And what a, what a great series that was, you know, cause I took my daughter and one of her friends that plays high school volleyball. They play at LE high school. They went to volleyball camp up there. And I'm first time I've been on the Furman campus since 2015 and brought back a lot of memories. And I thought, you know, that's, this would be kind of fun to maybe walk down memory lane and, you know, kind of recount, recap some of those games and kind of go back through some of the moments because it was such a great series. I mean, we were seven and one and, you know, all the games were, you know, 10 points or less, except for the last one in 2016 where we won pretty handily. But, you know, anybody interested in reading that can go to the strutpodcast.wordpress.com and read it. I'm not going to go all the way through it, but I did want to add a couple of stories that I didn't have in the in that blog post about uh, – the 2006 and 2012 games, the 2006 game, of course, was just, you know, that was a, just a magical night. So much energy there. You know, the the, the emotion of, of Ma Bennett's passing, Coach David Bennett's mother early in the week, and then, you know, just how electric that place was. And, you know, the the, bit, the biggest play of the game was the blocked extra point and then returned by Sean Lundy. If, if, you know, anybody, you know, people remember that. Quentin Teal blocked the extra point. You know, early in the fourth quarter, Furman had taken a 27-21 lead. Looked like they were going to go up seven. Well, he blocks the extra point, Lundy. And I can't remember if he, you know, picked it up or if he snatched it out of the air. He goes 98 yards with it. Well, I was on the I was on the field as a sideline reporter at that point in time. And so as soon as Sean Lundy kind of passes where I was down in the end zone, I I everybody starts to move up onto the field. I, they're they're moving out. So I step out onto the field and I'm looking down that way because he's running down towards what, what is now the field house end zone, what used to be the hill. Well, I step out on the field. Everybody's past me, right? And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm watching this. And the next thing you know, boom, I, I get hit right in the back. And I'm like, what is going on? And I turn around and it's an official. <laughs> it is an official trailing the play. He turns and looks at me with the worst look. And for about two or three seconds, I am sick. I am literally sick because I I, I just I see him reaching for the flag. I, he's going to throw this flag. There's going to be a sideline interference penalty here. I'm going to cost this football team something. Probably going to get fired, right? It's all over with. You know, here, there goes Lundy running down. Crowd's going crazy. You know, they just scored. But we're going to get the two, and now we have the momentum. But we're going to get flagged, and this official's running, and he's looking at me with this worst look, and I'm just sick. I, I can't cheer or do nothing. Well, fortunately, fortunately, there is no flag. Play ends. Place is going crazy. We have the momentum. 
we get the, we're, of course, we're going to receive the kick because Furman scored. Well, they kickoff team goes out there and uh, the, the official comes back down and I'm still just standing there. I'm off the field by now, but I'm just standing there just like a statue. And he looks at me and he says, look, I know you're excited, but keep your blank off the field. <laughs> I, said, I said, no problem, man. You got it. I, holy mackerel. I don't know. I, I haven't told that story to many people. I told Matt after the game and he laughed, but I mean, I thought, man, I just cost this football team big time. Holy mackerel. I, boom. I just get hit. I'm like, who in the world's running over me? Is the official. Yeah. Ne never did that again. Never stepped on the field again during a play. Never. <laughs> you know, crazy. You know, it, the, only, the only thing I can think of is, you know, if somebody was, you know, just aggravated enough to ever pick up the flag, the official threw and throw it back at him. Who knows? Maybe one story about that, too. That's a big time no-no. Holy mackerel. And then after the 2012 game, I also recount that in the blog, too. And that was just one of the wildest football games I've ever seen. Obviously, you know, about three overtimes. Everything happens in the fourth quarter in the three OTs. And after the game, of course, we went at 47-45. That was Coach Moglia's second game. And really, really, it was kind of a game where you kind of figure out, all right, we're, we're going to be a little bit different now because we we it looked like we were going to win. We're up 10 with four minutes to go. You know, if ESPN had that, you know, win probability thing going on right now, it would have been in the 90s, upper 90s. Well, here comes Farman. You know, they scored 13 points in a row, and we're down, but then we go in tight at the end on the last play of the regulation. But anyway, we went in three overtimes. I go to the locker room. I just wanted to see what was going on in there, right? And so, you know, the coach gives his speech, you know, you know, and then one of our guys, Johnny Hartsfield, kid who came to us from Hofstra, defensive lineman, good player too for us, really good player. He uh, he takes a football, he stands up in front of the whole, whole team, he goes – this is a new team, you know, I mean, just with such passion and emotion and everybody just, you know, I mean, just, I get, I get used to thinking about it right now. I mean, that was just such an awesome moment, you know, to, to, to be able to see that coach's second game, you really felt like, okay, we're, we're going to turn the corner. We're going to be better, you know, coming back and having the resiliency to win that game when it looked like we lost it. And then and seeing that thing in the locker room with Johnny Hartsfield, it was just, man, it was one of those things, man. Great story to, to have been able to, to see that. So just a couple of little side stories that I didn't include in the blog. But uh, you want to read about a great series from our uh, Coastal Football Past? Go check it out, Berman Series. Joe, I need you to do a blog. I'm giving you an assignment. Okay, I, what's that? I need you to go in depth and just be as descriptive as possible. Write this thing out, you know, whatever. Give me as many colorful adjectives and adverbs. Just throw it all in there. Give us the kitchen sink. I need you to take us through the Liberty Leap. Oh, man. I need to, I need to hear <laughs> that whole game. is I, I story. Could do, I, I, could do a, I could do an entire podcast on just that one game. Just the, emo, the, the, the range of emotion and, and the ups and downs, and then the, the fourth quarter comeback, and then the, the leap the, after the block field goal by Tank Hawthorne. I mean, and then, then we get to the then we get to the plane and we see Alex Ross with a cast on his hand and a, and a boot on his foot and on crutches. And I'm like, what is going on here? I mean, that, that's a that's a whole other thing we could get into at some that point. Series that whole series needs to, <laughs> the whole series could almost stand an offshoot one night of. Of, of us just talking about that series, you know what? Put that down as a as something we've done because yeah, we we got we got to do that one. That maybe starts a, maybe a walk through CCU football that had just a Liberty special. 
Dude, I'd, I'd love to do that. Um, you know, maybe that off week or something. That could be one that we cover. Yeah, bye week special. Yeah. Yeah. Week, we could do two that week. We'll cover some bell, but we'll cover we'll have to do an extra special just on that. Give us some time to prepare because um to 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 that series needs that series needs to be part of the walkthrough CCU history series. That's what that needs. And um unquestionably. I, on down to, you know, the Liberty fans cutting the head off of a live rooster and folding on the bus to I knew they practiced voodoo there. I knew that. Hey, or uh my freshman year playing in the sleep bowl up there where they were throwing batteries and hitting us in the helmet from the stand. That's legit stuff. I, look, anybody listening, I am not embellishing or making it up. You ask any of the guys that play from 02 to 06, and they will recount going up there. Hey, mm-mm. oh man, don't get you talking about getting me lathered up, man. It, uh, look, TD's gonna get lathered up. Oh, man, look, there's a couple right. couple universities that I can get real sideways real quick about, and Liberty's one of them. Mm-hmm. And but it's interesting. Both times our program to put a little bow on it. Both times our programs have started to ascend to a certain time. We intersect each other. And just like the year we beat them in the, in the quadruple overtime game, they were on a path, right? They were, on, they were on trajectory that year and we brought them down. Same thing to us. We were up, they brought us down. Bowl game, I mean, that's why I'm, look, as much as I cannot stand that university, I, I look, you're not supposed to hate anything, but whatever short of hate is, it's right there. There is no reason why we don't play that university every year. I will give up a money game to play that university home and away, sign a 50 year agreement right now. Seriously. There's I'm no right with you, buddy. Money. I'm right with you. I mean, and, man, we got a lot. There, there are people out there that, you know, that, that wouldn't, that, 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 that would disagree with us. And I have no idea why, honestly, the longtime coastal fans who would never want to have a part of it. I'd, I'd love to play that crowd every year, and I don't care where. I talk to Liberty people, like who, you know, various industries, they agree. You know, they love to hate us and, and, and hate to love hey. us. Right? Because, you know, like they'll tell you, like, we play BYU. I got a couple people where I work. I'm sure we all do. They rooted for us. They wanted to see us upset BYU, right? But at the same time, they cheered when App State beat us, too. You know, I mean, so good. I'm glad they did. Yeah. <laughs> love, hey, good. I hate love relationship. And that's why. We need to. We'll, we'll dedicate a podcast just to that series for the walkthrough CCU history. But, um, man, God, to play that. Uh, oh, oh freaking hate that. And if you're watching us on YouTube, just looking at TD right now, just you know, he is. You know, he's he's, he's grinding, not even looking at man. the camera. He's looking there. He's looking he there. Grinding. He's not. At, at Liberty's in front of him. He's looking. Now. I can't even look at Liberty right now. I'm like, where's my kids? He's doing this right now. Where's, Here's where's everybody the, at? You you gotta look as much as I I'll say as much as I hate that university and that program they also make us better and we make them better and they'll yep. take the same again yep. the Cure Bowl our first one yeah we lost it all right you got to give them credit where credit's due but damn what a hell of a ball game right I mean you you go back and look at the thirteen times we played they have, they have the series seven to six now and outside of about three games where they beat us and we beat them pretty good literally. 10 games, I think, have been – I think we talked about this one time, Jeff. Last year, we when we lost them in the Cure Bowl, we talked about it. Every – it's like – I think, you, Chili, you look – it's like less than 8.5 points or something like is the basically the average margin of victory for the other team, even with, I think, two – one or two lopsided victories. I mean, it's 
it's close, man. Hell, there's been what four games where they've gone, we've gone to an overtime or more. I mean, to me, that's that is if people want a rivalry, right, to have on your schedule every year. That's it. That's it. South, I There's think no, we're going to yeah. be doing a walk through CCU football Liberty edition for sure. I agree 100. percent I'm I'm going to have a cocktail for that one. I have look <laughs> whatever you want to judge me. I will have a cocktail for that. I can Joe work with me on this one. I can kind of see like you know how they bleed people's lips when they're cursing on TV. You want to see what they're saying. I can just kind of see like a little like beep when he's talking like this about. Yeah, yeah we might have to get the old mute button or something going on. Well, Bob Euchre used to have a cough button. You remember hearing a that cough story? button? Yeah, I have a cough button there. <laughs> but hey, to, hey, again, so this to, to nothing. Not, I love you. I love what we're doing. But to be in that locker room on that sideline, people. When your old mother gets told to move the bleeping out of the way ever on when they move your fans out of the way and they're cussing at your fans and they're throwing dead chickens on your bus and all dude oh man I'll, I'll, I'll. so td let me help you real quick we're gonna go look at the poll results from this past week how's that sound feel better so he's like he's holding himself look at you like man, we right started here. talking about firm and next thing you know we have veered completely into liberty we're all <laughs> Those are all good series, man, but there's nothing yes. to block the game. I know. It, so, so, TD, it's okay. We're with you, man. We're on the same team as you, man. Joe, he's like, he's like a guy in the corner of the classroom ready to go after somebody at recess right I'm now. I'm telling you what. I mean, are we going to lunch and recess? Or are we going call to the parents. bus stop or what? I'm about uh, to call his parents to come get him. I'm the good. question last week was, which of the four choices was the bigger win for Coastal? Now, not just all the time, but just those four choices we had. The Cure Bowl victory, BYU victory, the victory over App the same year as BYU, or the 2005 defeat of James Madison. Uh, before we get to the results, where'd you guys fall on that one? BYU. I I chose James Madison. The um, results are with four percent of the vote, James Madison. Eleven percent said Appalachian State. Twelve percent. Cure Bowl, 73% said BYU. And nobody's wrong. You know, I'm not trying to make me feel better, but nobody's wrong in that, right? Because I think you could, if you do that same poll, if you did that same poll a year ago, before BYU, right? I wonder how it's splitting in, right? Like you add Louisiana in over BYU, right? Let's just, or something. I think it's all. I think it's generational perspective. Again, I played during that JMU. You know, we played. I, I was in that where we played that JMU game, and I don't think it's any better or worse than the BYU game. I just think you can't get to the BYU game if you don't have the JMU game. You can't get to the the to the App State game. You know what I mean? Like to me, it's I value all of them in a silo, but to me, you just can't get there until that that JMU game. Joe said it before. That was. I mean, that was literally a launching for the program that year. When we beat them, it really turned a lot of heads and a lot of eyes towards the program. So that that's again, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, but it's interesting. There's not. Yeah. There's there's not. I mean, it's it's recency bias. I mean, that's it's a lot a lot of recency bias. I mean, you know, if you 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 you, you put the four best games and together and 
or the four you know great wins together after the 2010 season, you know, or after two, you know, 20, you know 2013 or something. Like, heck, I think Montana would be one of those that you could rank as one of the biggest four wins we've ever had, to be honest with you. But yeah, you know, it's 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 all about recency. All of those games were important for their own reasons. You know, it's all really in the eye of the beholder. You know, I ranked BYU one just because, you know, that's the highest ranked team we've ever had come in at, at this level. We had game day there. There was so much there. It was on national TV. You know, we, we've gotten such notoriety out of that thing at this level. Now, we got a lot of notoriety from the JMU game at that level. It's, it's like two different two different right. eras, really, you're talking about, trying to mix and match there. So it's in, in the eye of the beholder. That game uh, – we, we need to make sure we do it. We, 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 do, we need to make sure we do the program justice, Joe, Chili, before this year's out. I think we need – in the in the walkthrough series, I, I really think that between the players, coaches, administrators, and other folks that we're going to be interviewing in that series, I really think a walk through the Liberty series. Chill, I know you're taking notes, but but I think I think I think a Montana recap, even just a, a quick one. Maybe we could do an episode where we you know we talk about that. But anyways, I think the Montana the Tundra Bowl needs to be you know the Tundra game is is you know Ice Bowl Tundra whatever that yeah. that. Game, you talked about because loud and cold. Oh man, and and eighteen thousand screaming Montana Grizzly fans and one hundred and forty-two freezing Coastal fans. Um, I'm going to do a blog on that. I promise you. That was that was that was quite a trip. Unbelievable. Joe, what's funny is Joe. You can attest to this. I have bugged Joe since I've gotten to know Joe about every week about being the sideline reporter for Joe's broadcast TD. There's one time I never bugged him about it. You know when it was? Montana. If you yeah. have a history of mine and Joe's text messages, do you need me Saturday? We're going to Montana. I think I'll watch that game. And a funny story about that was I went and bought some boots and some snivel gear and the and the sideline the sideline gear never got there. Got snowed in at Memphis. So I wound up upstairs because we gonna we were gonna have Justin Landrum upstairs on the uh on 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 uh color a uh, color analysis because lane was doing myrtle beach football that's that right kid so i was going to be on the field justin was going to come up and do come up and do color analysis well guess what i, I got to go up and say justin you got to go watch a game i'm gonna I'm, me and matt are gonna do this game so that we didn't really have a sideline person for that so kind of a funny story a uh, way that, that could have been my shot told. joe that i could have been, been your shots i could have been your shot chili chili here's a trivia question before the trivia question you're gonna get me lathered up now right you lather up right here. I'm ready. Bring it on. What was the fluid provided to the team on the sideline during the game? Chicken soup. God bless. Two in a row, TD. That's two in a row, man. I'm two and oh, Joe. You keep for it those that don't realize. Joe's writing that I down. Got, I got a score. We got a score sheet right here. Hey, they had they bought burners and all kinds of stuff and canteens, and they were literally serving hot chicken noodle soup and warming up Gatorade to get to the players. They took care of those kids that day. I mean, that was, that was a phenomenal effort. George Glenn, that whole staff, that support staff, Jeff Pounds, a whole lot of them kept those kids warm enough when they came off. So when they went back out there, they felt good enough to play and get after it. An unbelievable effort. 2013 right, Montana looking up Coastal fans. It's unbelievable. All right, TD. Your turn. You're trying to get re-lathered. You might. I mean, this is something I think you may may do well on, which is why I hesitated to give it to you. But I'm gonna do it anyway. We're talking about passing records. You ready? Mm -hmm. 
All right, so coastal passing records. We're looking at single game, and here's the question. There have been four different quarterbacks in coastal history to pass for five TDs in one game. Name them. Grayson McCall. Okay. Alex Ross. Good. Zach. Very good. And why does Aramis Hillary strike me as another one? Is that your final answer? Uh, I got three of the four, right? Yeah. Yeah, you got three out of four so far. So you can see the sweat. Look at it. See it? I don't ever, Tyler, see the sweat. Tyler never threw for five touchdowns, though. No. But, no, no, he didn't. Not, even in that Mansfield game where we beat him 88 to, or 77 to 8, he never – he didn't – we because we ran the ball. Because Coach Bennett, God bless him, he, he, we got it by 35. He never threw the ball ever again. Trust me, I know he's a receiver. Um, Zach, Alex, Grayson, five touchdowns. Five touchdowns. I don't know why Aramis Hillary just pop, popped in my head. You want to phone a friend? Well, you, can't, you can't phone a friend. you got to get this right, TD. I know. As Coach Moglu would say, be a man. Stand on your own two feet and take responsibility for your trivia right now. As soon as you – and, oh, man, I feel like it's either that or William Richardson. Um, so who you got? Joe's got the three inch binder he's about to pull up. <laughs> yeah, because I can't I can't think of uh, you gotta be stumped on the last one too. Four. Let me think of the four. Oh come on. It'll come to me. It'll come to me. It'll come to You're me. a receiver, T D. I'm heckling him now. No, it'll come to me. Wait a minute. I got three four. And people in their cars are pulling I, over like come on, T D, you know this. Zach, Alex. Paul and I feel like, man, I, it just. I'm, I'm going to go with the answer. I'm, I'm going to go Hillary. I'm going to go there. Aramis Hillary. All right, here. So here's your, here's your, uh, here's your four. You ready? Yeah. Grayson McCall did yep. it in 2021 against Texas State. Gotcha. Yep. Alex Ross threw yep. five touchdowns in 2015 against Kennesaw State. Kennesaw State, that's right. That was a homecoming game. Zach McDowell threw for five touchdowns in 2010 against CSU. And in 2012 against Presbyterian, Aramis Hillary had five touchdowns. The happiest man in America, right? there. you that fist pump. He nailed it. Got them all four. Hey, I got it the first time. I got because I, I knew. Who was that against? Aramis Hillary, who was that against? PC. PC. Was against PC. God, what a terrible program. Anyways, all right, yeah, they were bad. <laughs> bad. All right, TD. Congratulations, TD. Yeah, well, hey, you're, you're kind of off to a good start this season. He's got he's two in a row, right, Joe? He's, he's two and zero. Oh. He's out. He's on fire. I mean, well, I'm on, I got two in a row. You got two in a row, TD. There we yeah. go. Hey, Chili, hit us up with the uh, as we wrap it up, up with the uh, the show handles. And again, TR underscore Danley. Uh, Joe, who are you? Cash and, Cash and J 68. 
Joe's going to change his Twitter handle to I like night games. Um, yeah. Yeah, I had to stick one in, Joe. I am at Steve Chili. Noon kick, folks. <laughs> we have a debate. That should be another one. We'll We're going to do one. Minutes, and I want y'all, I, I can be the judge, and each of you are an attorney, and you're going to plead your case to me, the judge, on night game versus day game. You know, I can do it next week. Let's do what it next week. Next week. Let's talk about it. Let's yeah. do it. Um, uh, my Twitter is at Steve Chili 14. You can catch us on Twitter, the show at the strut podcast, Instagram at the strut podcast. Our Facebook page is conveniently the strut podcast. You can catch our blogs, the strut podcast.wordpress.net. Um, face I'm sorry, YouTube, sorry, YouTube, go to YouTube, type in the strut podcast. When you get to our page, Hit subscribe. Enjoy all the videos. You can see our faces. You can watch TD struggle with trivia. Coming August 31st is the first walk through CCU football. Um, I think I've run out of stuff, y'all. That's Did it. I forget anything? I we're good. Oh, hey, see y'all next show. Hey, Strut Podcast Nation, Till Nation. We're less than we're less than three and a half weeks away now for for. Uh, hosting the Black Knights of the Military Academy of the United States University, also known as the second home of Joe Cashin. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, got a camp report coming up. We'll uh, I'll be talking with a couple of coaches soon. And, of course, our first scrimmage is on Saturday and our second on the 20th. So, well, hey, coming up. Go shots. Shots up. Kind of, uh, kind of get it started here. So, all right, coach, appreciate you joining us here to give us a little fall camp update as to where your team is after a little more than a week now. I know they have the, the day off as they re- as we record this, so I'm, I'm sure they appreciate that time to you know rest and recuperate a little bit. So, uh, how, how's it been so far? You know, Joe, there's there's been some good things. I, I really like, um, I like our. Uh, even though it's given us uh, gray hair and my mustache, I do like our young guys. They, they, they want to try to listen. You know, they are trying to do what you ask them to do. Um, but everything's, you know, really new. It's, 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 uh, you know, we're crawling, uh, you know, you, you hope we're walking soon, but we're still crawling in a lot of ways, but the attitude's been really good. We've, we've had some hot weather and there's a lot of complaining that could have been happening. Um, but they've embraced most of that, you know, the adversity so far, which is good. That's the that's the question mark of this team is Joe's. I I um I think we're going to talent's going to be fine. Uh, it's inexperienced, but I think it's good enough to win in this league. Um, you know, if it plays well, uh, but we just don't know when we get punched in the face how we're going to respond. You know, and so far um, they're responding in a, in a solid way. Now we're going to have to amp that up over the next really the next 10, 11 practices. You know, so the next 11 are going to really determine, uh, you know, sort of who we are, you know, to be honest with you, 10 to 11, really who we are and, you know, where our deficiencies will lie. The first scrimmage is on Saturday. What are you looking for uh, in terms of, you know, maybe, you know, position battles, guys, maybe, you know, getting a step ahead of another guy, you know, you know, scheme, anything that you're looking for specifically out of this first scrimmage that's coming up? Well, there's really, really three, I think, main things you look for. One is how much of the schemes on both sides of the ball 
have been hopefully mastered and by how many people, right? So, hey, we're going to do what we've, we've done for, uh, I think that's practice in, uh, nine or 10. I can't remember exactly. I think it's nine. And so practice nine out of those uh, pre eight, previous eight practices, what we've put in, can you go out and execute at a high level? Secondly, um, all right, that we're executing it, uh, who can do it without coaches being out there correcting, right? You know, when you practice, as you know, you're on the field, there's an, a, there's an immediate correction because usually there's a stop. Well, this is going to be very similar to a game as far as we're moving the ball. And, and so you got to respond to those situations, bad play, good play. You still got to respond to that very next play. So seeing how we respond with that. And I think thirdly, uh, you know, you mentioned some competition. Uh, you know, we've got we've got some spots that that you know up for grabs, whether that's the, the number one spot or whether that's fighting for one B or hey, who's the who's our second team this? Uh, and it's not like that's one position. There's a lot of positions that, are that way. Uh, you know, running back is pretty obviously with the guys coming back is pretty settled, but we're trying to find out who's that other guy we can trust there. But after that, you got O line. You know, you interior offensive line, uh, they're 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 getting put. Who's going to be those two guys that start at guard? You know, and then the defensive line, we're rotating a lot of guys. So I, I think I think there we're just seeing who we can count on uh, consistently there. And then at linebacker, there's battle, and then secondary there's battles. There's a lot of battles going on. To, whether that's to be one, as I said, one or two, or really two. Hey, he can help us. Uh, he's doing well on special teams. Can he take the next step to help us on offense or defense? And uh, this first scrimmage under under not necessarily under the lights. We'll obviously do it in early morning, but first time just really being out there, and it's a true scrimmage. We'll see how many people uh, get those wide eyes, or who really raises their game up. How has Grayson looked so far coming off the uh, off season surgery? He's you know he's been on a pitch count, so he's been limited to um, how many throws a day, and then. Um, you know, no contact, you know, not even getting close to contact, obviously. And so uh, he's been he's been better every day. You know, there's there's uh, he's still working in progress. The, the, he's not forgotten how to throw or anything, but it's getting his arm strength back. It's getting the reps in to where his you know, arm feels good. And then secondly, too, is actually getting into a football shape. You know, when you practice. Uh, a whole practice and you do it consistently, you get into that football shape too, let alone with your conditioning. And with him not being able to practice fully yet, you know, he stops after whatever period where he can't do much more just because of what we're, uh, you know, the, the rehab process. He's got to take these next few practices and get into that type of conditioning too so he can be able to ready, ready to compete for a full game. So he's not there yet, but uh, all signs up to this point, uh, there's no doubt that he's getting better and closer to, you know, being the Grayson that we all know. One of your areas of concern after last season and all the departures with the seniors and super seniors and whatnot was the wide receiver core. I know it hadn't been, you know, too many practices into this thing, but I mean, who, who stood out to you and who, who do we need to start, uh, who do we need to start looking for? Well, that you know that, that you're 100 right on that, and I don't know if somebody is 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 step up and said completely, "Hey, man, this guy's ready to go." We've mentioned before the Sam Pinkney, who's played a lot. Um, he's had a little hamstring, um, but he's getting back, working back in there. But he's somebody we know that's played in this league, played in meaningful games. So he, I know he's somebody we can count on to be where he's supposed to be. Uh, you know, and then after that, Tyson Mobley, he's got to step up. You know, Tyson's played some. 
but now his time to make plays and 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 really solidify position. So there's two that we know uh, that have played some, and uh, whether Sam has played for us or not, but just played, and then Tyson taking that next step. So there's two you think, all right, we can throw those guys out there, know what they're going to do. Then after that, um, you know, there's some there's some there's some things that are wide up. We've mentioned Aaron Bedgood sort of playing both ways, slot and a running back. So he's a guy that we know has played some. But uh, Jared Brown, uh, who we we think highly of, is a is a as a as a young player, you know, looked really good. Had a day the other day, yesterday, just you know, didn't didn't make a play, and it sort of derailed him the rest of practice. So that's what we're going through now with some of those young guys. Or Chris Rome make a nice play, uh, miss a play that he needs to make, you know, and them learning to let that go with young players and the pressure they put on themselves. Joe, uh, they want to do so well, and as you know, this sometimes you want to do so well, you paralyze yourself, right? And uh, we're seeing a little bit of that right now, and, and we're going through that. But those two guys should see significant minutes. I think I think a true freshman, um, uh, DT, uh, receiver force, uh, I, I think has a chance. Uh, he came in in January. Uh, I think as he continues, if he has another, uh, has another, continues to have pretty good practices, I can see him playing for us this year and contributing as a true mm-hmm. freshman. He's got he's got skills to do that. And, um, you know, is he big enough yet? No, uh, but he's got some skills to him that uh, Damian Thompson's his name, and he's – we feel good, really good about him. Uh, that has a chance to do some good things there. And then after that, we got we got, we got to get some guys to step up into some roles. Tyler Roberts, who's been here a little while, has got to step up um, and, you know, give, solidify some, some, some things for us. We got some other young guys at some places there. But it, that's still a concern as far as who's our – Who's our six? Who's our seven that we can count on? Um, it's going to be by committee, I think, right now until some people start solidifying some places. I was speaking with Coach Staggs a little bit earlier today, and the one thing that he really seems excited about is the and, – and you mentioned this earlier – is the speed. He feels like that that side of the ball is going to be faster, maybe a little deeper, maybe not quite as top-heavy as they've been over there. Yeah, I believe that. I, I think uh, there is a noticeable – there is a noticeable speed difference on defense, and and maybe not every position, Joe, mm-hmm. but uh, but there is a noticeable. We've gotten faster in the secondary, um, and uh, we've we've gotten more capable up front in the box, specifically the defensive line coming off the edge and some different things. We've got more people that can do that, uh, and so the depth there, there at least at least through the six practices, if things continue to go in the in the in the way they're going. Um, you know, I agree. I think we got a chance to have the, you know, the best overall defense that we've had as far as just speed and the way the people are playing. And so we don't have the names that we've had. We don't have the mullet boys and all the guys and all that, you know, right now. But I do think you're going to see quite a few play. And I think that'll help us because people know their number is going to be called and they know they have to be ready. They know they're going to play meaningful snaps. And right now, uh, through six practices that's showing up. We're getting a lot of consistency on that side of the ball. Uh, and, and guys, you know, the starters and the backups doing some really good things. And if they're pushing each other, then that helps really make that team that much better. So um, cautiously, cautiously optimistic that, that <laughs> that's going that's going to be a strength for us in which we need it to be this year. They need to be a strength for us this year. Coach, speak to special teams just for a moment uh, as far as the kicking game. And then, guys, you know, returners. You know, we, uh, you know, obviously we had Javon back there to return punts. He was extremely reliable uh, and kind of 
had had a rotating door back there in terms of kickoff return. We know who our our punter and kicker is going to be, but just speak to special teams for a moment, if you would. Well, um, you know, we did. We had so many guys that were reliable. Maybe not just unbelievable talents, but they were reliable at long snapper. They were reliable at punter, you know, yeah. reliable at kicker, um, uh, and uh, you know, punt returner. And so, I think overall, from a special team standpoint, because we're a more athletic, more talented, I, I think we're going to be able to put guys out there that can really run and and make some plays. And so. I think I think talent-wise, we'll be able to run down the field with anybody in this league as far as in guys running fast. Now, we have a mindset, the mentality to that we that we we really started last year. Hey, we're going to make a play on this on this this team, whatever it may be. Um, you know, the kicking situation from a from a, let's start with a long snap from a long snap situation. Peyton Bunch, Nate Merchant are the two guys battling out right now. Nate's a true freshman long snapper. Peyton's been here a while. Uh, you know, Peyton's got the inside track of that being here. If, if he ends up winning the job, he can really help us, Joe, uh, because he can actually cover kicks. You know, he's not C.J. Shrimp waddling down the field. And so um, <laughs> we got like, – I mean, he can get down there and maybe make some things happen. He's just got to get consistent, you know, snapping, where C.J. you knew was awesome and it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. He's going to get it back there. And then we're in a battle right now uh, with our punter, Evan Crenshaw, Mac West. They both have, have done some solid things. Evan, Evan's got an unbelievable – ceiling i mean unbelievable he was number one or number two in the country and punting whatever you know coming out of high school and he can when he gets a hold of the ball it, it he can boom it we're gonna actually go if he if he ends up being the starter we're gonna have to cover kicks this year because he just kicks it tremendously i um, mean he can really boom the football and so uh i think we got two capable guys there again first time doing it in any type of game action so how, how they respond to rushing and all that but that's our job to try to get them ready for that. But two guys that we feel pretty solid about. Uh, and then from a from a field goal standpoint, kickoff standpoint, uh, Liam Gray uh, and Cade um, Henley, uh, you know, battling out. We've, we've had some inconsistency there early on. You know, I, they, they've had some good days. And then when we need them to make a kick, we've not, not made one. Now, some of, them, some of them, you're testing them, see how long, like, you know, hey, we kicked a 50-something yarder the other day just to see if we could get close. You know, that's – that's one thing, and 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 we missed it, but it, we didn't miss it because of distance, you know. So uh, trying to see what we got there, but then there's some that hey we have to make, and and in some situations we didn't make it, you know. And and both of those guys, so they've had some really good days in in, in our charting when we chart, uh, but we've got to take that when it's out there and that, that whole group's out there in that field goal and stuff. So we we got to continue to get better there, but I, I'll say this: we have confidence in those guys. Uh, they work. Uh, they're not uh, mental midgets, if that makes sense. They don't stop believing in themselves. They don't get down on themselves. They keep working. And I think our team sees that. Um, and so um, if, 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 the, if the young guys uh, get their job done and then these new guys are going to be playing, especially in buying to their roles, I, I, think we can, I think we can cause some havoc, special teams-wise, with, the, with our team speed. Well, Coach, uh, your mustache game is very strong, <laughs> very impressive there. And uh, one other thing, too, it is the 20th season of Coastal football. And so a little bit later on down the line when you have a little bit more time, uh, I'd love to get uh, get you on with the three of us on, on the Strut podcast with being uh, TD and Chili and just, and just talk about you know, your time, uh, not, not only just your time here at Coastal, but you saw you saw this program when you were at Charleston Southern too, and just kind of get your memories of of some games and some players and whatnot. And we're kind of you know kind of do that as we go through the season on our podcast. Talk about you know moments and and been big time things that happened in in the first nineteen seasons and now the twentieth of Coastal football this year. 
Yeah, that'd be great. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a special obviously time to be a part of, of the program and, uh, 20 years seems like forever, but it's in this, in this, uh, line of work, as you know, that's really, very really short. I mean, really, really short. And to see, uh, the group of people there that, uh, believed in starting a program and the group of coaches and, and administrators and support people. And then the players that chose to take the leap, um, you know, and, and what it's become, you know, I don't know if anybody thought it would have uh, and be where it's at. I think that's a, that's a special thing. It's exciting to be a part of the 20th, you know, 20th season and be able to have a chance to celebrate that. Hopefully this will be the best season we've ever had, you know, and that uh, um, everybody can look back and say, Hey, we got to be as good as that 20th season. You know, hopefully that's the case on our end. That's what we're trying to shoot for, but what a special time. And then just to, see the growth of it, be a little small part of it, obviously in the, in the little short amount of time that I've been here, but um, really it's pretty amazing when you think about it, Joe, how far it's come since 2002. Obviously I wasn't here, um, but just to hear the stories and all the different things of it, um, it's, uh, it's amazing how uh, 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 it's been able to uh, grow into uh, the respectable program it is today in FBS, which Nobody would have thought that in 2002 when they were trying to figure out where to store their jock straps, you know, so I've been crazy. Coach, thanks so much. Hope you guys, guys have a great scrimmage on Saturday. We'll catch up again very soon. All right. Thank you. As always, thank you for listening to The Strut. So coming up next week, like I said earlier at the beginning of the show, we're going to look at shots uh, in the NFL training camps, talk more about the 20th season of CCU football with a little bit more information about what's coming up because the first episode in that series that we're doing for this whole season, a walk through CCU football, episode one drops August 31st. That's the week of the first game of the season. Yeah, I hope I think you're going to enjoy it. I remember going through and and editing this and and thinking on it and just listening to it over and over. It's something every CCU fan can enjoy. So we're going to look further into that. More stuff about camp. Joe's going to have more information, like he always does. That's why we call him Info Joe because he's always got the good info. So thank you for listening. Facebook page, you can find us, the Strut Podcast. Twitter, Instagram, at The Strut Podcast. On both of those, uh, you go to YouTube, search The Strut Podcast, subscribe, watch our videos of these podcasts there, or you can check out our blog site. Joe's got two blogs up already. I've got one coming, thestrutpodcast.wordpress.com. Check us out. There's all these places to find our information. Please check us out, and we will see you again next week. Thank you. Thank you.